Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. What happened on Palm Sunday? Who remembers? Jan. That's right. We call it the triumphal entry. And, you know, he started at the top of the Mount of Olives. And if you've ever been to Israel, what is on the Mount of Olives? It's a cemetery, huge cemetery. They figure there's 300,000 tombs. They've been burying people, Jews, there for over 3,000 years. That's a long time. And Jesus rode in on the donkey. They were expecting a victorious king. If you have your Bibles, you can turn here, but you don't need to because we're going to read a few verses through the Gospels on the Palm Sunday morning. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 8. It said, and many spread out their coats on the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. And those who went in front and those who followed behind were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. What does Hosanna mean? Who who knows? Yeah, Jan does. It means save us now or save now. I mean, literally, all the Jews were thinking Jesus Christ was Messiah. In fact, in John chapter 12, starting at verse 13, it says, And they took branches of palm trees. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. And they went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, save us now, Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Folks, I want you to know this, that every Jew back then that knew anything about Bible prophecy and the Messiah knew that Jesus Christ fulfilled all the prophecies concerning who Messiah would be. It is the Sadducees that inevitably stated and would not recognize Christ as Messiah. And so Judaism today is literally a splinter group from the Sadducees. Most of the Pharisees, the other group of religious uh, priests back then, recognized that Christ was the Messiah, and they actually made up much of the early church. And so much of Judaism literally became Christians, and that's how Christianity spread throughout not only all of Rome, but the entire world. Uh, It was a few that rejected Christ, and the few were the Sadducees because they didn't want to lose their power or their position. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us now, even the King of Israel. They believed that Christ would throw off Roman rule. They literally believed he was going to save them from the tyranny of Rome, but he didn't do that at his first coming. In fact, in John chapter 12, verse 12, on the next day, the Lord's crowd who had come to the feast for Passover 
when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches and went out to meet him from palm trees. And this is in John 12, 13. And they began to shout again, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Luke, who was a Gentile, who wrote the gospel of Luke, says this in Luke 19, 38. Shouting, they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, what they're quoting is a Messianic prophecy from Psalms chapter 118, starting at verse 22. And it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, Hosanna. We beseech you, Lord, Hosanna, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So they were quoting literally a messianic prophecy about who Jesus Christ would be. We know in Daniel chapter 9, it says, From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of Messiah will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. That comes out to about 700 or 467 years and literally points exactly to Palm Sunday. And so that's how they knew that Messiah would come was from Daniel's prophecy. In John chapter 12, starting at verse 14, Jesus, it says, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, he fulfilled that. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. It's interesting in John, it says, Jesus found a donkey and sat on it and rode down the Mount of Olives on it. One of the reasons we know the Bible has not been edited or changed is some of the apparent contradictions in Scripture. There's only about six. That's it. This is one of them. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, As they approached Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has yet ever set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says, what are you doing, or why are you doing this, say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back with you to me. Mark eleven fourteen. So they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus told them, and they gave them permission and they brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it. Mark, Matthew, and Luke all tell the story that way. It's only John that says, and Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it. How do we know the Bible has not been edited? Because of little contradictions like this. I can assure you, if someone was going to edit the Bible, they would have made sure these accounts lined up. Which one is it? Did Jesus find the cult, or did the disciples go get it and bring it to him? Interesting. 
There's another discrepancy in uh, this uh, coming, the triumphal entry of Christ as well. It's in John chapter 12, verse 16. These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him and that he had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also people went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are not doing any good for look, the whole world has gone after him. Most of the Jewish people, including the Pharisees, thought Jesus was Messiah. It was literally only the Sadducees that didn't. The other contradiction, though, is we find in Matthew 21.9. And the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was astir, seeing, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. Okay, in Matthew's account, Jesus rides in on the donkey goes straight to the temple, goes in and throws out the money changers and all those that were literally making profit off of worshiping God. Okay, in the other account, Mark chapter 11, verse 9, it says, those who went in front and followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came to the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left and went to Bethany. For the 12, it was already late. Okay, so in Mark's account, Jesus didn't overthrow the money changers. He looked around in the temple and immediately went to Bethany. On the next day, according to Mark's account, you can keep going in Mark chapter 11, verse 15, they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves, and he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. And the chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. All right, so here we have in Mark, the next day he goes and overturns the tables. In Matthew, it was the same day as the triumphal entry. Now, folks, make no mistake about it. Bible scholars have tried to make this, well, you know, it's not really a discrepancy and all of that. It is a contradiction. It either happened on Palm Sunday or it happened on Monday. Mark says it happened on Monday. Uh, Matthew says it happened on Palm Sunday. Why am I t 
talking about this. I can assure you, folks, the Bible has not been edited, changed, or rewritten. The text that we have is the text that the original 40 scribes wrote. Our Bible is reliable. And folks, many scholars, many historians, and even law professors have come to believe the testimony in the four Gospels because of these discrepancies. They say this is eyewitness testimony. There's no way the apostles got together and say, okay, what are we going to write? What should we write uh, in our books so that people will believe that Jesus was Messiah? They didn't get together and do that. They all wrote on their own. They didn't even read what the other people wrote. They wrote what they remembered, and the fact of the matter is they remembered the, the, the true events that occurred. Jesus indeed rode in on a donkey. Jesus indeed went to the temple, whether it was Sunday or Monday, it doesn't matter. He went to the temple, and he overturned the money changers and said, This temple is my father's house and my house, and it is to be a house of prayer. The facts stand through eyewitness testimony, and folks, it proves what atheists and agnostics always try to bring up when I debate them. Oh, the Bible was just edited and changed. Folks, I can assure you every manuscript we find, and we find manuscripts hundreds of years older than the ones used, uh, and even a thousand years older than the ones used to write the King James Version of the Bible, King James had 12 manuscripts of biblical texts. We have over 3,000 manuscripts of biblical texts now, and they all agree 100%. They were not changed. They were not edited. And folks, when you read it, Bible prophecy is clear. The Word of God is sure and strong. And these minor contradictions, there's only six. And literally, it's what day was it, Monday or Tuesday? But the event happened. Does that make sense? Or Sunday or Monday, right? Exactly. Okay. I just wanted to go over that. All right. When was Jesus crucified? I believe this Palm Sunday we begin to celebrate and remember the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ this whole week from Palm Sunday till Resurrection Sunday next week. This week is the final week Jesus spent as a mere uh, emptied of himself human before he was resurrected. So it's very important what he taught and what he said and what he prophesied this week as we remember the passion of Christ. Most Christians say he was crucified on Good Friday, and we all have Good Friday services, right? It's interesting that Jesus said, I would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Now, I don't know about you, but any child can do the math and say it is impossible that Jesus Christ was crucified on Friday. When did the church, the early church, start observing Good Friday as the day of Christ's crucifixion. It wasn't until the 4th century A.D. when Constantine adopted Catholicism as the Roman faith, and they started recognizing Friday as the day of the crucifixion. 
And in fact, they didn't even codify it and make it official until 692 AD. Prior to that, no one recognized Good Friday as the day of Christ's crucifixion. Why is that? Because the church primarily was Jewish, and they realized, and I'm going to give you the verses, at Passover, there's two Sabbaths, not one. So what happened, one of the church fathers who knew nothing of Judaism, knew nothing of the Old Testament really, said, oh, let's see, he was crucified the day before the Sabbath, so it had to be Friday. So even though he said three days and three nights, which makes Jesus a false prophet, if that's the truth, even though he said that, it has to be Good Friday. And that's when they started doing it, not until the 400 years after the last book of the Bible was written, the book of Revelation. If Jesus, and let me restate this, was crucified on Good Friday, he is a liar and a false prophet, and he can't be Messiah. I believe Satan himself, there's many doctrines that uh, the church has introduced that are not in the Bible. There's many practices that the Catholic Church have introduced that aren't in Scripture anywhere. And folks, I believe many of those, the Bible says, are doctrines of demons. So how do we know when Jesus was crucified? In Matthew chapter 12, starting at verse 40, Jesus said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, that is the prophecy. Again, if he was crucified on Good Friday, he is a false prophet, and he can't be Messiah. So how do we figure out when he was crucified? In John chapter 18, verse 28, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. Interesting. So remember, this is after Jesus was arrested. So the first miscalculation is the Catholic Church said Jesus actually ate the Passover meal with the disciples. We're going to find the scripture actually tells us he ate that meal the day before Passover on the day of preparation. So thus, when he was arrested, the, the Jews that were making him be arrested would not enter the praetorium so that they would not be defiled so they might eat the Passover that night, the night of Christ's crucifixion. Does that make sense? Okay. So stick with me. All right, John 19, verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate, and Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. So they rejected Christ, and this was the day of preparation, the day before the Passover, and that's important that we understand that because Passover, no matter what day it falls on, is a high Sabbath. In fact, it's called a Sabbath day. Saturday is called the regular Sabbath, but there's many high Sabbaths throughout the Jewish calendar, and Passover is one of them. 
So John, on the day of preparation, according to John, Jesus was the Passover lamb, so he had to be slain before the Passover, when the Passover lamb was slain. By the way, the new day begins at sunset. Are you with me? So he died Thursday afternoon, and Passover began Thursday night because that was actually Friday. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Do you see that little timeline I have on your handout? Did everyone get a handout? Okay, uh, it kind of tells you exactly. So Wednesday is when he uh, had his last supper and was in Gethsemane and was arrested. By the way, Wednesday at sunset, it became Thursday. Thursday is when he was tried and crucified. He died about 3 p.m. And Thursday at sunset, Passover was eaten. So the Passover lamb was killed Thursday during the day, usually about 3 o'clock, and that's exactly when Jesus said, into thy hands I commit thy spirit. I'm dead. I'm gone. It's over. And the Lord rejected him, God the Father. All right, so again, three days and three nights he was in the heart of the earth. So Good Friday, which didn't start being celebrated until 400 years after John wrote the book of Revelation, uh, over 470 years since Jesus was crucified, they never observed Good Friday. No one did. Okay. All right, I'm going to skip some of that. All right, so why were there two Sabbaths, and when was it called a Sabbath? It's in Leviticus chapter 23, and I'm not going to read it, but you can look it up later, verses 5 through 8. And it talks about the high Sabbaths and the other days. Uh, in our text that we were reading in John 19:31, we learned that the body of Jesus needed to be removed from the cross because the Sabbath was about to begin. That was Thursday night, because Thursday night at sunset, the Sabbath began. And there are so many other more verses that establish uh, when Christ literally was crucified. Why is that important? Because, again, I believe the enemy loves it when the church does things that are unbiblical and unscriptural. I think he literally, as the accuser of the brethren in heaven, says, look, they're calling you a liar, Jesus, because they're celebrating your crucifixion or mourning your crucifixion on Friday which means your prophecy is wrong in their eyes. I believe it's something we should be talking about. I believe as a church we need to stand on every truth that's contained in Scripture. All right, back to Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19, verse 38. Jesus, can you picture it? He's riding in down this trail from the Mount of Olives. And by the way, the Mount of Olives is not a huge mountain. It's, it's more like a hill. There's a small valley, kind of like our valley down here, the canyon. It'd be like being from one side of the canyon on the hill, going down through the canyon to the other side. That's about how big it was. He's coming down the Mount of Olives, riding on a donkey, and they're declaring him king of Israel. We already read it. They're putting palm branches out before him and waving them before him. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. In verse Luke chapter 19, verse 39, the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, these stones will cry out. I love that. You know, throughout the Bible, and by the way, the next verse, when Jesus, as he came down the mountain, he wept over Jerusalem, that they didn't recognize who he was. Even though many were out declaring him Messiah, still many didn't. Jesus told them, if they are silenced, these stones will cry out. In the Bible, when an inanimate object is given traits that a human being have, it's called a personification, even in literature. A personification is when a stone says something. Throughout the Bible, creation is alluded to at worshiping God. So we find in Psalm 148 and Psalm 96, objects like trees, hills, oceans, rivers, mountains, valleys, cattle, creeping things, birds of the field give praise to God. Even the winds give praise to God and the stars of the heavens declare his mighty works. But all of those, they're not literally declaring. But I want to make an observation. I believe Jesus prophesied that these rocks would cry out. And I believe the rocks did cry out. You think I'm crazy, don't you? <laughs> all right, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, we read this. For the anxious longing of creation, oh my goodness, we only have six minutes. Wait eagerly the revealing of the sons of God, for creation itself was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers pains of childbirth together until now until the sons of God are revealed. That happens at the rapture and literally at the second coming. We know that creation itself cries out. It doesn't literally do that. But we know the earth is under the curse because of sin. That's why we have pain, sickness, war, famine, disease. Every bad thing is because this world is Satan's domain. That's why it says we are no longer citizens of this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is in heaven in God's kingdom when we become believers in Christ. So is Jesus talking about literal stones? Throughout the Old Testament, we find God would have Israel set up memorial stones. They did it at graves. They did it when God would do a miracle. And those stones declared to the later generations what happened at that event. Throughout the Mount of Olives, there are gravestones peppering the mountain. As Jesus walked down and uh, the Pharisees said, hey, rebuke your disciples. By the way, the Pharisees loved Christ's teaching. They believed in a literal Messiah, and they thought he may be the one. It's the Sadducees that didn't. The stones that they would be looking at are all the tombstones that were all over the mountain. And on those tombstones, Israel's don't put flowers, but they put more stones in remembrance. If I wish I could show you the PowerPoint of what it looks like, but literally it looks like 
for hundreds of yards, tombstone after tombstone after tombstone. And obviously, Jesus, we need to put ourselves in the story. We're coming down the Mount of Olives, and as we look, these stones are tombstones. The hill's covered with it. In fact, that's all they saw. And he said, if these are silent, these stones will rise up and praise me. Folks, what happened when Christ was crucified? The veil in the temple was torn. Can you hear that at all? So the tombstones are covered with stones. All right. So what we have, Jesus coming down the Mount of Olives, all the people, and they're looking over a vast hundreds of yards of stones, tombstones and stones on top of the tombstones. But when Christ was crucified, the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom, signifying that Christ has finally made the final atonement. He is the high priest, and we have access to the Holy of Holies now through Christ. And what happened to the tombs? Many people rose. Now, I want you to know this. What were the disciples doing at this time when Christ was crucified? They were hiding. They were silent. What were the crowds doing? They were hiding. They were silent. And Jesus said, if they're silent, these stones are going to declare that I am the Son of God. And many Roman soldiers saw the darkness. They saw the earthquake. And the Bible records they saw the resurrected dead. The stones came to life, the tombstones, and they declared the glory of God, and they believed that truly this is the Son of God. I just love that, don't you? That even though the disciples were silent and Peter even denied that he knew Christ and cussed and said, I do not know this man. They were hiding and they were silent, but the stones testified because why? Many people rose from the dead. Wow. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. 
God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my needs.